0: Welcome into The The Clap Trap, brought to you by Ultrasound Productions, now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of The Clap Trap. You only got me today, and we're going to go over everything that happened in the Patriots game yesterday On top of anything else that happened in the NFL, i got a few other topics that I want to get into, but great overall victory for the Patriots, as we all know, winning 29 to nothing against arguably one of supposedly the best offenses in the league and the Detroit Lions, also the worst defense in the league, if you ask me and pretty much everybody else who watches the NFL at this point. The Patriots were able to put up 29 points with their third string quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Uh, It was heavy due to the run game, the offensive line, the defense, once again, scoring in this one, great job by them, and I'm happy to see that they're on the right track. Uh, You had Jack Jones showing up again, you had Ramondre Stevenson taking over for Damian Harris, and we'll get into all of that as we continue on throughout the episode, but I don't know if anyone's really surprised. I I guess you could be surprised by the outcome being a shutout completely. I believe I saw a stat that said that this is the first time that a team that had averaged 35 or more points in every single game of their first four games got shut out. This is the first time they've ever gotten shut out in their fifth game. So, I mean, it is a crazy coincidence uh, or not coincidence, crazy situation that we now have seen. But I got to be honest, I think that at this point, it's pretty easy to tell that Bill Belichick understands what to do when Jared Goff is on the other side of the field, and Jared Goff will continue to see Bill Belichick in his nightmares going forward, uh, just in in the uh, in the future, just because he cannot do anything against uh, Bill Belichick in this one, so or, or any other time that he faces him. It seems like great job, though, by the defense. Like I said. Uh, I thought that you you saw another great performance out of Matthew Judon, once again getting another sack. He now has a sack in every single game, first five games. I think this is the first time as well for the Patriots ever that they've had a player get a sack in every single one of their first five games of the season. Great job by him, and it doesn't feel like last year with Matthew Judon where – He's just going absolutely bananas for the first couple of games. And maybe you're worried about him slowing down towards the end of the year. It seems like he's starting to build towards it. And now he's getting his groove beginning of the year. Yeah, he was getting sacks, but it wasn't like he was jumping off the page, jumping off the screen as the guy that everybody was watching, Matthew Judon. He's taking over, but he is now becoming that number one player on our defense. Everything that he needs to be for this team to be legitimate going forward. So I'm happy to see that. And I think it will continue uh, going forward, but uh, heck of a performance to start off for him in this one. Had, had, I was Clappy, gla- Clappy, Clappy, that's, a, that's Clappy and Zappy. Glad to see that uh, Matthew Judon is continuing his good ways against, once again, a very banged up Lions squad. And I talked about this with Coach Kamire last week going into this. I didn't think it was going to take much to go against this Detroit squad, not only because it's Bill Belichick versus Dan Gamble, Uh, Campbell who is you know the guy who is just a rah-rah coach but maybe doesn't have that much stuff going on upstairs when it comes to the game of football but a great football guy right and we all like to see that but Bill's going to be able to outscheme him and then on top of it like I said no DeAndre Swift in this one uh, though Jamal Williams is a good running back they also had Amon St. Brown banged up though he was able to go in this one and he did You know, come through at times, but I believe he was on more of a snap count throughout this game. He only had four or six targets for four catches for 18 yards, so a great job of locking them up. He had T.J. Hawkinson, who was banged up coming off of his career year. He only gets four targets, and obviously the Patriots made it a uh, statement to try and take him out of the game. You saw a lot of Kyle Duggar on Hawkinson and other players, Peppers, all these guys trying to shut down Hawkinson, not allow him to be a big part of the game. So you took out their two biggest weapons. I'm on St. Brown and Hawkinson, though, like I said, both banged up in this one. You shot a, saw a lot of the Reynolds br- bros on this one, Josh, and uh, – Craig Reynolds both able to kind of do their thing Uh, at least Josh Reynolds did he had six sketches for 92 yards you saw him all over the field so they were able to move the ball at times and I continue, you could continue to see them doing good things, mostly in the run game. It seemed like they were trying to pound the run, which is another thing that I thought going into this one. Both teams are going to be trying to pound that run, uh, and, and it turned out to be that way. The pass worked out at times, I guess, but Jared Goff still only 19 completions for 229 in this game. What happened a lot of the time, it seemed like, was the Lions kept shooting themselves in their own foot. It seemed like, I mean, you go 0 of 6 on fourth downs, you're getting into scoring range and not going for field goals to get points or anything like that in a game where, at least early on, it seemed like you could just get some field goals and make things happen. Patriots only scoring the two touchdowns, one defensive. So it was something that I was kind of surprised to see them not going or them going for it so often on fourth down, but that's your Dan Campbell experience. That's the guy who wants to be more aggressive to try and get into these games and continue to put up good offensive numbers, but they they just don't know how to win football games. That's pretty clear at this point. Bill knows what he's doing. The team knows how to scheme it up correctly, and the defense was all over them. So I was glad to see that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to get more of the Claptrap right here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap, with your host, Zach Clapp. I'm talking all about the Patriots-Lions game right now. Let's get back into it. In this one, you had Ramondre Stevenson having an absolute career game, obviously, in this one with 161 yards rushing on 25 rushing attempts. Most of that coming due to the fact that Damian Harris did go down. I think he only played about six snaps or something like that. Uh, He had four rushing attempts for 11 yards, and then he went down with the injury. So we hope the best for him and hope that he'll be able to come back. But I had mentioned before this last week, it seems like Ramondre Stevenson is starting to take that starting running back role over regardless. So it may have been his job going forward soon enough anyways, but you hope the best for Damian Harris. Glad to see Ramondre Stevenson was able to take advantage of things. Obviously, they only had two running backs on the roster at this point. So as soon as Harris went down, it's Ramondre's game the rest of the way. And he played all the snaps which you love to see because not only can he run the ball but he can catch out of the backfield and though in this one he wasn't really, you know, going crazy with that only two catches out of the backfield for 14 yards, he has the ability to do to do both which is huge for this team as we've seen in the past. I mention this every time. A guy like a Sony Michelle and others where it's like he's only going to run or he's only going to be out there to catch so you can't really uh fool anybody with what you're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. So happy to see him. Great job by Ramondre Stevenson. But I got to give a lot of that to the offensive line. Which is another thing that has been gotten—it's gotten better game after game after game. I only saw a couple of moments where I thought Isaiah Wynn was really in a bad position. Uh, you didn't really give up any sacks or anything like that major uh, against this team, so I was glad to see that. But Isaiah Wynn, I believe, had just one personal foul or one holding call on him at one point. Maybe there was an illegal. Uh, Formation too, but I think that ended up being on Kendrick Bourne as well. So great job by the offensive line. You have to be happy what they've been able to put in there. And they've obviously been keeping Zappi very safe in that pocket. Once again, though, we all have to remember this was just the Detroit Lions. Okay. We weren't expecting anything. You shouldn't have expected much out of them in all honesty, because not only. Did they have the worst defense in the league? So you were actually going to be able to move the ball, and Zappy was going to look fine, and the run game looks great, and everything like that. But their offense was completely banged up. I can't say that enough times. So this was not really. It was a great win. Don't get me wrong, and I'm happy that they held on to the shutout. I think that that's a you know kind of a good momentum booster for the defense and things like that. They got to you know figure their stuff out going forward. But does anyone really take any real? You know, anything real from this game, other than the fact that they were able to beat up on a banged up offense and the worst defense in the league. I don't think that we should really be beating our chests about anything. And so I don't want to hear all week how great Bailey Zappi was. Right. I don't want to hear about how he's the next quarterback or anything like that, because he's not. He's not. I'm going to continue to say this. This kid had a an average day. Nothing special, went 17 of 21 passing for 188 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The interception wasn't his fault, right? That was obviously Aguilar's fault for bobbling, double bobbling it, throwing it up into the air, and then all of a sudden it's an interception. So I'm not going to put that on Zappi, but it's not like Zappi went out there and was actually doing anything real. If anything, he looked really calm in the pocket because the pocket was so strong. He was able to step up. I was happy to see him having the wherewithal to step up in the pocket in moments. And understand that the, the the offensive line is doing a great job blocking these guys. I just got to step into the safe areas and I'll be fine. He was able to do that. He continued to find his safety blankets in Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry, really the only guys who did anything in this one. Jacoby going seven catches for 111 yards and a touchdown touchdown. Um, Hunter Henry four catches for 54 yards in this one he was there for a lot of big moments a lot of third down opportunities or or need to get these types of uh, completions he was going to Hunter Henry. And Jacoby Myers, that was about it. It was good to see Kendrick Bourne was back in there. He was getting a good amount of snaps. It was good to see Taekwon Thornton in there. And they tried to force him the ball a couple of times. Didn't really work out for anything big, but he was able to get in there. I believe he was in playing for 25 snaps. So happy to see him, another weapon for the team going forward. But this offense was all about the offensive line, if you ask me. And this one, t- it was the offensive line. It was the run game. It was not Bailey Zappi. So I don't want to hear all week. I'm sure I'm going to hear it still. Oh, how great Bailey Zappi is. We'll have to get Coach Kamire back on here. He was saying he's probably going to go 3-0 and and go ridiculous with nine touchdowns and one interception. Well, he's got his one interception, and he's got one of those touchdowns. But he was absolutely average, if you ask me. Another jag, as they call it. Just another guy, right? So at this point, once again, my immediate thought through this game and getting this win is, Oh, boy, I'm rubbing my hands. How many draft picks are we going to get for this kid when we trade him? Because that's all I'm thinking about right now is when are we going to get to trade Bailey Zappi, and hopefully if we can stack a couple of wins here get some really bad teams, some other bold Bozo squad will go out there and grab Bailey Zappi for – you know, a couple of maybe a first round draft pick, maybe a couple of second rounders in a third, whatever it's going to be. We see how crazy teams are go for quarterback. So show that you can do a little bit of something in the NFL. Somebody's going to fall for it. Time for another break. But when we come back after this, there'll be more of the clap trap here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. You are listening to the Sunday recap right now. Let's get back to it. That's all I care about at this point when it comes to Bailey Zappi is how many draft picks are we going to get for this kid? That's where I'm at with him. I I think that you're going to hopefully be able to – Beat a team like the Browns next. It's going to take a lot from him. Then it's going to be the next game would be against the, the Chicago Bears on a Monday night. We've seen how bad that team can be. And then you play the Jets, who have looked good uh, against some teams, but I'm still not worried about this Jets squad. So if Mac has to stay out for a couple of more weeks, if he has to stay out all the way until November 20th, Maybe this team should be able to stay afloat if the defense can continue to work together and this offensive line continues to gel as well. I'll be happy about that. So let's get as many wins as we can with the Bailey Zappi experiment and then trade his butt off this team. That's all I care about at this point, because anyone who thinks that Bailey Zappi is actually a legitimate quarterback based off of these two games, you're crazy to me you are crazy to me. I'm much more willing to give you that Jack Jones is going to be a legitimate player based off of these two games rather than Bailey Zappi. Jack Jones has done things much better, stood out much more than Bailey Zappi has in these two games. And I can't talk enough about this kid. This is this is my new one of my new favorite players on the team. Jack Jones, number 13. I hate that, by the way. I'm a very uh, superstitious guy when it comes to the number changes and things like that. Number 13. Not, I just don't like number 13 anyways, but especially on the defense. We won't get into that whole thing. But he has played great. He has played great so far. Obviously, another big interception in this one here, jumping in front of that route, making it a crazy athletic play, looking like Bill Belichick said he looked like he was a wide receiver out there. So, I mean, that's exactly what he's looking like. And we know that defensive backs only go to play defensive back because they're not good enough at catching to be a wide receiver. Well, it looked like Jack Jones was good enough to catch something like a wide receiver on that one. Not only jumping in front of the route, seeing what was going on, having a great read, jumping in front, but also able to jump up, contort his body, and have the wherewithal to think about where his feet needed to land in bounds before falling backwards. Great job by him. Two interceptions in two games. The kid is a stud. He's coming out strong. I'm happy to see him, and I'm putting this out there right now. J.C. Jackson, better... I mean, I said, I I ruined it. I ruined it. Jack Jones better than J.C. Jackson at this point. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday. I'm kind of skipping off of the Patriots talk for a second here. But J.C. Jackson was getting absolutely cooked by Amari Cooper. He got absolutely torched on a little out-and-in pass route for Amari Cooper. And Jacoby Brissett hit him right in the corner of the end zone. And J.C. Jackson looked completely lost. Completely lost on that play. So any of the people who are out there who were telling me how great J.C. Jackson was going to be and how he's a number one cornerback and oh, the Patriots are going to really hate that they let up J.C. Jackson. He's going to go to the Chargers. They're going to be so great. He's done absolutely nothing so far. He was injured to start the year. He's been a no-show since then. He was just getting cooked by Amari Cooper, who I'm not going to say he's completely done, but Amari Cooper is nowhere near the receiver he used to be when he was on the Cowboys. He's now getting thrown to by Jacoby Berset and J.C. Jackson is getting cooked by him. So system cornerback, I don't know. I just feel like at this point, up until now, JC Jackson has been a heck of a lot better of a cornerback and you just drafted him. This never happens for the Patriots, but you just drafted a cornerback and he comes in and he seems legit. So I'm happy about the JC Jackson loss because now you bring in players like Jack Jones. who are going to be the new legitimate guys out there. Once again, a ball hawking type in the zone situation, just like JC Jackson was. And if you want to say it's lucky place, right place, right time kind of thing, that's fine by me because you're not paying J.C. Jackson some ridiculous contract to be in that same role. You got guys like Jack Jones or Marcus Jones or whoever you want to throw out there that's going to be better in that situation. Jonathan Jones, give me all the Jones, all that. Give me that Spider Man meme, right? Everybody's looking. All the Jones are good in this defensive back group, and I'm happy about it. So keep it going. But, man, yeah, I can't. Obviously, that was one of the things that I was really adamant about was the fact that we don't need JC. Jackson on a ridiculous contract when everybody was talking about he needs to be a number one guy. He's not a true number one cornerback. I hope everyone can at least understand that now. I feel like I was arguing with a lot of people about the fact that he is not actually a number one cornerback. He's number one cornerback by, if you want to say on the depth chart, he's listed that way. But is he actually a true number one cornerback? No chance. No chance. And he's going to get exposed all the time, especially in that division that he's in playing for the Chargers. I don't care how good that defense is, which they've looked up and down, especially since they lost Bosa. But when you're going in a division, when you're playing the Vegas Raiders and you're playing the chiefs and you're playing the Broncos, which the Broncos kind of stink. So whatever, that is what it is, but you're going to get exposed. And I'm happy to see that JC Jackson is getting exposed at this point already by players like Amari Cooper, who once again, not a bad player, but he's getting thrown to by Jacoby Brissett and he's nowhere near what he was when he played for the Cowboys. Come on, people. Come on. What else do I have to say on that Well, I'm not going to say much more right now because we're going to take another break. And after this, we'll be back with more of The Claptrap on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. This is the Sunday recap you're listening to. Let's get back to it. So, Jack Jones great job by him very happy with the development so far i know it hasn't been a ton of uh, time out there he's only been a little bit couple games here but he is really shining and we got to watch out for number 13 jack jones he seems legit to me and i'm just gonna stick with that for now i was able to see that jc jackson's not legit why can't i pick out that jack jones is, is legit off of two games i don't care i don't care that's what i'm doing but once again Great job by the Patriots, able to manage the game, able to take care of business. And now you're going to go and you're going to play against the Brown squad next who just we just talked about it, led by Jacoby Brissett under that center. So we'll see. Can you get to Jacoby Brissett? Can you make uh, or slow down the run game is really what it's going to be? Chubb and that scumbag uh, Kareem Hunt is going to be a good running attack against this Patriots team. Can we stop them? That will be the major question. You saw against the Detroit Lions, there was times where we were giving up the run. So will it be a big bend but don't break kind of game? You got to go on the road to do this one. Can they show up on the road? That will be a big question. Patriots against Browns. I'm expecting that one to be another knockdown drag out battle type of a game where the Patriots don't score a ton, especially with young Zappy on the road. We'll see how he does in that scenario. Assuming that Mac Jones can't come back. I know that he was trying to come back in this last game. So we'll see how much uh, this week changes things. And I'll continue going on with that as we work through the week here. But, Great job by the Patriots, and and I don't know what they're going to be able to do going forward. But they're two and three now. They're in the they're they're sitting there looking at the rest of their schedule coming up, and looking like they can get back into the thick of things by beating some teams that they should be able to at least be very competitive against, if not beat them. Obviously, we've we've gone past the days uh, where there is any. Uh, assurance that they're going to beat a team there's no teams that you can assume that this Patriots squad is going to win but it feels good the way they've been playing over these last two and going forward into uh even against a loss against the Green Bay Packers and now this win against the Detroit Lions you got to feel at least pretty good about where they're at and how they're coming together how they're gelling going forward so we'll see how it goes uh for this team but There were some other interesting things that happened in the NFL yesterday. Of course, we had Josh Allen going absolutely nutty with multiple big pass touchdowns to Gabriel Davis. That was crazy. He had like a 99 or a 98 yard pass touchdown to Gabriel Davis. Guy was going nuts. Bills are an absolute wagon. We're going to see how that works out as they go against the Chiefs next. So I, I don't that'll be a real test for both teams the Chiefs and the Bills to see what they're able to do but great job by Josh Allen it looked like in the first half he was going to be going for breaking records they were talking about breaking all-time passing records and things like that I think he had close to 300 yards in the first half and three touchdowns something ridiculous like that it might have even been more than that so he was on pace for a ridiculous passing day obviously the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers didn't really show up so and, and and nobody's expecting them and their brand new quarterback the rookie there and and anything that they have going on nobody's expecting much from the Steelers we think that they have a good defense but when you have no offense and you're going up against a juggernaut like the bills what do you expect there so bills were able to roll in that one uh you had the Jets able to beat the Miami Dolphins. That was one that was interesting. They put up 41 points against that Dolphins team that is now floundering after the Tua Tungavailoa loss. So we'll see how long it takes for Miami to get back on pace. You got the Jets coming up in a few weeks. Like we said, Jets have now beat the Miami Dolphins. You lost to the Miami Dolphins and the Patriots. We'll see. That's going to be an interesting matchup, I guess, with Zach Wilson going. So I'm interested to see there. And then you had another one that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Basically, the reason I was so involved in this game was because I had it in my gambling picks. But the game that was the Buccaneers against the Falcons ended in what was arguably one of the worst roughing the passer calls I've ever seen in my entire life. You can say what you want about my allegiances and how I feel about Tom Brady and things like that. But we all, if we can all look at this objectively and watch this roughing the passer, if you haven't seen it yet, go and look for the roughing the passer call that was that happened in the Buccaneers Falcons game late in the game. Bucks are up uh 21 to, to 15 at that point because the Falcons had scored. And for some reason, well, I, I know the reason, they wanted to win the game on their next possession. So they went for two instead of just kicking the extra point and put it to 15. Right. So now they're only down six points. And if they go down and they're able to get a touchdown again, which they were starting to build in that second half, they would be able to win that game against a Buccaneers squad. But you had Tom Brady co- completely just getting in the referee's ear after he was brought down on what looked like a solid wrap up sack and just completely, you know, just yelling right in that ref's ear when he got up that that should have been a penalty. That should have been a penalty. And the ref actually gave it to him. All right, we have to take a quick break, but I'm going to continue that thought about the Brady wrap-up after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap. All right, I'm in the middle of a heated take about the Brady roughing the passer call. Let's get back to it. Basically, I'm, I'm assuming only based off of Tom Brady complaining. That, that's really the only thing that happened. Because if you look at the replay over and over again, it's a solid wrap-up tackle. Uh, tombre is n- not thrown to the turf or ground a- any harder than a normal wrap-up tackle hit. So why did we actually get this penalty? I don't understand. It completely gave the Buccaneers the game at that point, by the way, because that would have ended their drive. They would have had to give the ball back to the Falcons. Falcons would have had time. I'm not sure that they would have been able to do it, but they would have had time to – possibly roll down the field and score a touchdown and win that game you don't know what could have happened in that one but instead the refs took it out of their hands they gave the game to the buccaneers by giving that roughing the passer giving that first down on that play that shouldn't have been called and i know i'm not the only one complaining about it out there it was honestly the softest roughing the passer play call i've ever seen in my entire life it was crazy it was was crazy to think that a team like that is going to get that type of a call, and it is. It's Tom Brady, so I get it. Uh, you're giving him a gift, but really, it wasn't a roughing the passer. It was a roughing the Brady call, right? That's what we're thinking about on this one. Shout out to my girl Kristen. She's the one who came up with that one, but it was. It was a roughing the Tom Brady Call because he the only reason it seemed like he got that call is because he's 45 years old and they thought that I don't know, he he was you can't hit the old fragile man or something like that. I don't understand it honestly. If you haven't seen it yet, go back and look at it. That play was egregious. Regardless, you have to be objective looking at it because if you're a Brady Bobo like our guy Matt or something like that, I'm sure he says that it was a roughing the passer, but if you look at it objectively and you think about it as how you would want your quarterback or the other way around flip the situation. If you were on defense there and it wasn't Tom Brady and you're not a Tom Brady Bobo, would you have thought that that was actually a roughing the passer call or would you have thought that that was a no call good rack up sack kind of a play? Because I I don't know, it, it seemed ridiculous to me. And once again, the reason I was so into the game was because I had Uh, One of my picks, my gambling picks was going on that one. I had over 46 and a half points. And I'm not going to say that that I was actually going to get that pick to hit, but it could have made a difference at some point in the game. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened if the the Falcons get the ball back there? Maybe they go down and score and they don't get the extra points. So then it goes to overtime and then they score another touchdown and then I get my over. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's going to happen. All right, Zach, let's calm down. Ridiculous things are not going to happen like that. But there is some other ridiculous uh, betting. Things that happened, I guess, or at least one of them that I saw that I wanted to go over as we start to wrap up the show. Here we have a few things to talk about left. Couple of the gambling picks. Obviously, things didn't go my way. If you watch the go- the gambling competition, if you follow along with the picks, which we put out at the Claptrap on Twitter. So if you ever are interested in following along with the guys, either fading or following, and if you watch our records, some of the guys you should be fading, some of them you should be following. We'll see how it goes in the future. The one pick that I did have that was a crazy outcome at the end was I had Chargers minus two against the Browns, right? And the Chargers were up two points late in the game with a chance to ice the game. The Browns had no timeouts. The Chargers had the ball. It's a fourth and two on their own side of the field. And the Chargers, instead of punting the ball away and playing strong defense, trying to win the game that way, They decided to go for it. They decided to go for it on a fourth and two in their own zone with about a minute and a half left or whatever it was. And the Browns had no timeouts. Crazy, crazy to me. They don't get it. They don't get the – fourth down play. So they're almost immediately giving up field goal range position to the Browns. And it's not like you were up three points. You were up two points in this game. You need to kick that ball. You need to punt it to the other side of the field and try and hold them with no timeouts from rolling down the field. This isn't college. They don't get to stop the clock on every first down. Try and hold this team and play some defense and you win this game by two points. Instead, they give the ball back after going for it on fourth down, and now the Browns are trying to run the ball into field goal range. They end up getting an opportunity for a 54-yard field goal attempt, and they miss it. All right, we're taking one last break before we finish that thought and others here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. I'm in the middle of talking about that Chargers-Browns game and how they missed that field goal at the end of the game to possibly give the Browns a win when they lost it. Let's get back to it. And they miss it. Crazy. So I got the push out of that one that love to see that i'll take a push in that scenario but how crazy is the chargers team the la chargers squad to go for it on fourth and two in your own zone when you know for a fact that if they get the ball back they're going to have a shot at a field goal to beat you easily and not even have to worry about not having any timeouts crazy to me i don't understand that's the kind of stuff and at the end of the day, he's going to end up screwing the Chargers over. That regardless of how stacked their team is, great quarterback in Herbert, great weapons, even though Keenan Allen has been injured basically all year. Good on the defensive side of things. If you want to call the JC Jackson pick up a good pick up which once again i don't they lost joey bosa uh so i understand that they have lost some major weapons on the defensive side of things but the coaching decision making is what i think is going to actually end up ruining that team overall because they are just making stupid decision after stupid decision and you can see where it ends up getting them at this point as they were able to just barely hang on against that browns team which brought them to a record of three and two now they're now three and two. So congratulations on the win, but really dumb play calling in my opinion there, and that was just a, a, a unfortunate one. The other one that I had wasn't as uh, you know bad of a beat or anything like that, but I had. The Ravens minus three and a half against the Bengals in that game. Everyone thought this was going to be a shootout of a game. You had Matt on the podcast who thought it was going to go over 48 points. It was a low-scoring, drag-out-type battle game. Even though the Ravens were able to pull this one out, winning by two points – you didn't know what was going to happen in this one, but you thought that there was going to be a lot more scoring. Bengals just don't seem like they're actually that good this year because the Ravens' defense I don't think is good. So if you can't even do move the ball against the Ravens' defense, yes, I understand the Ravens' defense held the, the Bills to 23 points the week before, but it seemed like an off week for the Bills. If you can't score against this Ravens' defense, which I think is bad, even though I picked them to win the AFC – I think the Ravens defense is bad still. I don't know. Maybe the Bengals really have that Super Bowl hangover. And both teams now, it seems like the Rams and the Bengals are not playing that good coming off of a Super Bowl performance for both of them or appearance for both of them. It's crazy to see that one as well. So that's really going to do it for all the topics that I had today. It was a shorter episode. I know that. But it's just a recap of everything that happened uh, for the Patriots a little bit of what the NFL had to offer for you. And now we get to see what this Patriots squad is going to be like going forward with the schedule that they have. Can they turn things around? Can they make themselves into a playoff team? Who knows? Like I said, you've got at the Browns next, then a Monday night football matchup with the Bears. I think that that's something that they can handle. The Browns game is going to be a little tough. I'm not going to lie to you, but the Bears game, we should be able to handle. Then you play at the Jets. Jets have played good, but once again, I think that the Patriots are going to be able to at least be very competitive, if not handle that game. Then you play a home game against the Colts. And yes, the Colts on paper should be a heck of a lot better, but they have shown that even with Matt Ryan this year, they're not that good. And then you go into a bye week. So of these next four games, Patriots are now two and three. How many of those four games can they win? Can you go into the buy at 500 or better? It seems possible. It seems possible at this time. Will they be able to do it? Who knows? It's going to be a lot that's going to take them to that point. But uh, we'll find out. And I'll be back again later on this week to talk more about everything going on with that. We'll talk more about the Celtics as well. The Bruins are about to get started. I'm excited for that. That is going to be an interesting season, a couple of seasons there, a lot to talk about going forward. But that's going to do it for today's episode of The Claptrap. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll be back again next week. As I said, if you missed any part of this episode, it'll be up as a podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, just search The Claptrap. You'll be able to find it. And then also, we are up on YouTube. So search The Claptrap on YouTube to see this smiling face every single time. We also give out the gambling picks on there. We do a lot of goofy stuff, trying to create more content. I'm also on Twitter at the TheClapTrap or at ZachClap and Instagram, same thing. So follow along. I would really appreciate it. But I'll be back again next week or ne- later on this week, I should say. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and rest of the week. I'll see you later. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Capes Classic Alternative.